I was hours into a hunt for new digs at the local shopping mall and losing steam fast when fate intervened. Drumsticks! Get your drumsticks! Nutty sweet drumstick! What luck! One drumstick, please. Here you go. This is hot and made of chicken. I want an ice-cold, creamy, crunchy drumstick Sunday cone. You and me both, buddy. But that's the vendor next door. Drumsticks. But that line is three miles long. Oh, well. Another day, another drumstick. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like, really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are, too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who famously knows a lot of mothers. He is the captain. Yeah, my friend Jen was saying we should make a shirt that says, I'm the mother you should know. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring Blueberry Thrill by the creative minds over at Susquehanna Brewing Company. This is a beautiful burgundy-colored ale brewed with real blueberries, garage-grade three-and-three-quarter bottle caps. And this week, our fridge is full. Thanks to all of you out there in listener land, I want to give a special cheers and thank you to our friend Kat over at Harvey's Lake, Pennsylvania. And a big shout-out to Ann in Dallas, Texas. Next up, we have Jenny in Georgetown, Ontario, Canada. And a big We Like Your Jib to Jason in Jinx, Oklahoma. Next up, we have Saska in Seattle, Washington. And last but certainly not least, we have Kirsten in Tonawanda, New York. Everyone that we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and clicked on the donate button and donated to this week's beer fund. And for that, we... We thank you very much. Yeah, B-W-E-R-R-U-N, Beer Run. And if you need more of The Garage, download the Stitcher app. It is free, and you can listen to all of our episodes. And thanks for making us. We're always in the top five on the Stitcher app, so thank you so much for that. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Every parent feels torn when they send their child off to college. Torn between feeling excited for their son or daughter, for the education and adventures that lie ahead, and feeling anxious about their newly independent child's safety, choices, and well-being. For most parents, the anxiety lessens as they see their son or daughter settling into college, thriving, making a new life. But for one family, the parents' worst fears came true 
their beautiful, smart, beloved daughter went off to college and never came home. How did this co-ed disappear just two weeks into her first semester? This is True Crime Garage, and this is the case of Taylor Beale. Taylor Beale was a 17-year-old girl who lived with her mom, Janet Pelissara, in Vienna, Virginia. Vienna is an upper-middle-class suburb of Washington, D.C., with the small-town feel despite its population of 15,000 people. Vienna was ranked third in Money Magazine's list of top 100 places to live in 2013. Taylor was very close with her mother. And the two lived in various places around the world, including London and Belgium, with Janet's husband at the time. Janet's husband was an officer in the Royal Air Force, eventually settling back in Virginia when Taylor was 11. Taylor was used to traveling, of course, and even flew alone internationally at the age of five, this under the care of the airline. This is a a really unique kind of experience for a young child. I remember when I was 10, I flew by myself without parents, without family. It's something I will always remember because it seemed like a really big deal to me at the time when I was just 10. But one well, that smelly guy you sat next to. Of course, I wasn't um, flying internationally. That would have been weird. My flight was like one hour long, but it was really neat, Captain, because they did like a special check-in. For me, you know, when they were boarding the plane, I got to get on the plane early and the flight attendant introduced me to the pilot or some guy pretending to be the pilot. Mm -hmm. And he then was they, cleaning the plane. Yeah. yeah. And then they sat me right in the front row so they could keep an eye on me, I guess. Mm -hmm. But Taylor was close to her mother. That's like an understatement. But she was also close with her father, Matt, even though her parents divorced before she even turned two years old. Taylor graduated from James Madison High School in Vienna, the 15th school she had attended in her life. That shows you how much she had moved around at just a young age. And one of the colleges she was interested in was Virginia Commonwealth University, known as VCU, which is a great college, great basketball program, uh, the VCU Rams, shout out to the Rowdy Rams. VCU is located on the west side of Richmond, Virginia, and the school focuses on biotech and life sciences. Taylor visited VCU twice in the spring of her senior year in high school. One visit was in February of 2005 with her father, Matt. When the two of them made their two-hour drive to check out the campus, Matt dropped Taylor off at the apartment of a friend of hers from Vienna so she could experience a little campus life at VCU. This was the apartment of upperclassman Mike Sino and his roommate Ben Foley. Taylor made a second visit to the same place in April of that same year. Now, she must have liked VCU because she enrolled in the large school of 31,000 students and started her freshman year on August 19th, 2005. Her departure for college was hard on Taylor's mom, Janet, even though she was only two hours away. This was very difficult for, for Janet. As I said, they were very tight, even would give the appearance of almost best friends at times. Well, and she was the only daughter, so they had a pretty strong bond because of that only child. And Janet says that Taylor was not the only, you know, she's not one of these teens who wants nothing to do with her parents. In fact, she would still hold hands with her mom when they went places together. The two of them even volunteered as elves 
every Christmas for a local charity and spent a lot of time together. While Janet was nervous about her daughter heading off to college in the large city of Richmond, Virginia, of course she knew that it was the best thing for Taylor. VCU is a good school, and Taylor was very excited for the next chapter in her young life. Taylor has been described in articles about her as quite mature for her age. She was working at Starbucks and choosing to hang out at Jammin' Java Coffee House, sipping cappuccino and listening to local indie bands. That sounds like something the captain would have been caught doing in his when he was just 16 years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't good. know about indie bands, but didn't you go to the coffee shop? Yeah, I think a lot of kids went to coffee shops. I did I did as well. I didn't go there to like listen to the the latest you know. I don't remember any bands at at the coffee shop we had. I went there and just kind of sat around. Yeah. Picked our nose. Right. Drinking uh sipping cappuccino. Friend of mine used to just say, "Hey, that's just $3 coffee." Yeah. <laughs> so, she never missed a curfew. This was a good kid. She didn't do drugs or drink. Uh, she was savvy and smart. So Janet took comfort that her daughter would make good choices, even not under her roof. Taylor was very, she wasn't a very avid user of social media. Keep in mind, this is 2005. So social media looked quite different than it does today. Yeah. Facebook wasn't probably even in VCU yet. Well, the platforms that she was using to post her daily musings and blog and about her life were a little dated, to say the least. She used MySpace. Her photo is still visible on there, if you can even get there. I don't know how one would get there. Uh, she used an internet meeting site called MyPlace.com and used a site called Live Journal as well. Well, MySpace was like, Pre-Facebook, it was the Facebook before the Facebook became the Facebook. But, oh, yeah. But it was also... It was wildly popular, too. Yeah, and different than Facebook because you could actually create a page, change the colors. It, it was weird because I was a big MySpace user, and when Facebook came around, it became, well, why are we going to this other thing that gives us less options? Like, there was more fun things to do, and you could customize uh your your myspace a lot more yeah i remember that being a weird time too because it was like there, there was nothing wrong with myspace but somehow we transitioned to facebook we're gonna bring it back we'll bring back myspace <laughs> yeah we're starting with the garage on myplace.com we're talking about her social media she wrote under the name bitter Okay. Her online posts and photos show that she was a little naive. I don't know much about this site, so do you know what this site is about? My my Well, it looks like it looks like she's almost journaling on some of these things. And I and I took quite a bit of time and read through them and it was a little sad and tragic just even reading through them cuz they still exist to right. this day. And, you know, you really get the vibe of who she is and what she was into, but also reminding yourself that she's 17 at this time. Well, you're right. But that's like the coffee shop thing. That's a very, you know, typical, you know, quote unquote, like college thing to do. Let's go get some cappuccino, listen to some singer songwriter music. Like, and so, yeah, being 17 and going to school early, you're probably going to do a bunch of things that are very cliche. Well, and we can get into her social media a little bit to give you a little flavor of what was going on. In fact, here is a post she wrote in early summer of 2005. It says, quote, I just graduated from high school and now I'm off to Richmond. I'm looking forward to meeting people that are in Richmond because I only know a few people down there. But I love to meet new people in general, so feel free to message me whenever to chat. That's kind of like an open invitation no. to, um, that's something that we probably would steer away from, but, um, she's outgoing and Taylor had a relationship of sorts that was going on at the time. In fact, she detailed that on her online journal, uh -huh. 
talking about her budding relationship with a fellow VCU student. This is a boy named Jacob Cunningham. She loved that he was into the same things, right? He didn't drink. He didn't do drugs. But the two, it seems like they were off to somewhat of a, of a rocky start. Mm-hmm. Taylor's roommate, Emma, says that things between Taylor and Jacob weren't going the way Taylor wanted. And another friend of Taylor said that Jacob had dumped her online and Taylor was upset about this. That's very mature of him. I'm going to break up with you online. Uh, But this is kind of weird because she's not at school that long. So did she start dating this individual before she left for school? It looks to me like as soon as she, you know, mind you, February and April, she's already making trips out to VCU to see if she's going to like VCU and and to see if she actually wants to attend right. VCU. It seems to me like as soon as she has decided on that college that she's openly on social media sending out invites to chat with people and get to know people in the area so that once she arrives, she's going to hit the ground running and already have a little bit of a, uh, you know, solid base of friends going yeah. on. Yeah. And my, my college, and I know not every college does this, but the college I went to did a, a bunch of this like freshman week of getting to know people and getting, getting familiar with the college. But that's a, that was a small college. This is a lot bigger. They might not have programs like that. Um, that would be very difficult. Yeah. It's only two hours away, but you're also a little bit younger than everybody. And so, Getting that community around you would be definitely important. What's interesting to me is it's it seems like we talked about her moving around a lot as a younger child. She's already kind of adapted to this. You know, yeah. she's already figured out how to set up shop in a new town, a new city, new state, sometimes a new country. Yeah, and like you said, 15 times, 15 different schools. This would be, she'd be an expert. This. And as you said, Captain, she's only at school for a very brief time before things start to go weird, right? So on Labor Day weekend, 2005, when Taylor had been at school for just two weeks, she met up with some guys on Saturday night to go skateboarding. According to one of these guys, his name is Kevin, the group boarded for an hour around 2.45 a.m., so early morning. That's what I call the small hours. Kevin had only met Taylor three or four times, but described her as a normal girl who was very trusting. Kevin said that Taylor was heading home to Vienna the next day to spend some time with her mom. This was correct. After spending Sunday and most of Monday at home, Taylor returned to campus on Monday afternoon. She called her father at 645 to say she was back safely on campus and she had dinner with the guy that she was sort of dating. His name, again, Jacob. Yeah, but this wasn't a normal dinner. They they met uh, to discuss their relationship. Apparently, yes, that they they made up and had a nice dinner at the village cafe. Yeah, but I don't think it was like makeup. It wasn't makeup. And we're going to be boyfriend, girlfriend. I think it was, this is going to end. Am I correct on that? Well, there are some differing stories. Different speculations, but I, I believe that's his comments today is that they, they left on friendly terms. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Kevin, her skateboarding buddy, later said that he saw her alone around 8.45 p.m. that night. And said that Taylor was excited for her upcoming birthday, which would be October 13th. Yeah, it should finally be able to vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She would be 18 years old, and she told Kevin that she was planning on doing something, quote-unquote, illegal. What that was, Kevin does not know. What that was, <laughs> I do not know. Um, my guess, if I if I had to guess, would be... It would be a weird way to, to to describe it to me, but being on a college campus, turning 18 years old, it kind of feels like drinking might be yeah. the thing she might have been referencing there. Or maybe it was to get a fake ID because she's going to get a new ID at being 18 years old. 
get a fake ID so she could go into, you know. Oh, yeah. Overage clubs. That would technically be illegal. I think you might be more right than me. So at 9.45 p.m., Taylor spoke on her cell phone to a male, to a, a, a guy. This is according to Crime Library. I couldn't figure out who this guy was, his name that she spoke with, but Crime Library says this guy was later questioned and there were no additional calls to or from her phone at this time. Note that time again was 9.45 p.m. As the news reports from 2005, when Taylor got back to her dorm room that Monday night at 10.20 p.m., she found that her roommate was entertaining a young man. Taylor had to vacate the Was there like a sock on the door? That's what my mind went to, the old tie on the door. Yeah. I didn't live on campus, but the amount of times I like just opened up friends' doors and stuff was going on, I kept on going, why wouldn't you just lock the door? (laughs) I I keep running into these naked people. (laughs) Uh, she grabbed her keys, her car keys, her phone and some cash and took off telling Emma that she was going to go skateboarding and that she would be back in about three hours. You know, that's the polite thing to do to the roommate. You tell them exactly how long you can stay gone for. Right. And that's, I didn't want to speculate too much on that, but that's the way I took it was like, Hey, I see you're with somebody. I'm going to go skateboard, do some stuff. I'll be gone for a few hours. Right. But, you know, but we also have class in the morning. You're giving them a time limit. I have to return at some time to go to sleep, to get up the next day. I got things to do. I'm being courteous here. You got three hours. The place is yours. Right. And But that still puts you in around one, two o'clock in the morning. Correct. You got class the next day. Yeah. So the Gladding Residence Center security cameras show footage of Taylor walking out of her lobby at 10:24 p.m. These security cameras do not show Taylor returning. In fact, she was not seen again after this time. That was 10:24 p.m. Taylor's roommate Emma went about her day on Tuesday, September 6th, but then that evening she noticed that Taylor had still not come back. And none of her things had been touched by this point. And on Wednesday morning, she informed the VCU campus police that her roommate had never returned to their dorm and had been gone close to 36 hours. The VCU campus police started looking for Taylor and guessed that she had left the dorm and gone somewhere in her car as the vehicle is missing as well. Campus police called Janet her mother at home to tell her that both her daughter and her daughter's vehicle are missing. There was no response on Taylor's cell phone to Janet's calls and Janet and Matt Taylor's father immediately came down to VCU and joined the campus police, the campus security officers in their search for their daughter. The campus police officers spoke to Taylor's friends and acquaintances and tried to track her movements on that night that she disappeared. They knew that often young people just go off on these benders or leave town without really telling anybody. Mm-hmm. But nobody thought that that was likely. Not You're right. It's a Monday. It's a holiday. So it's very typical to a Sunday. And it's like, it's not, who, who would do that? It mm-hmm. makes more sense if she went missing on a Thursday or a Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if she did go somewhere, she she left without telling anyone. But really, I know that it's 36 hours, and there are some people on the very inner circle that are probably panicking at this point. But the masses, the majority of the people, really think that it's likely that Taylor will surface at some point. Well, it's a really big campus. She could have hung out with some people, spent the night, you know, but... I guess my concern is that we know that she told her roommates, hey, I'm, I'm going to go skateboarding. So where does that put her at? Does that put her at on campus, off campus? What kind of bad area? Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
the students started posting missing flyers featuring Taylor's photo and her personal information around and up on, uh, you know, around campus. This to me, very reminiscent of the Brian Schaefer case. When, when I think about all the activity that I envision going on at this time. Yeah, a lot smaller school, but. In fact, Brian would go missing from OSU campus, what, six months later? Yeah. Seven months later? Taylor's mother, Janet, resorted to talking to the media, hoping that publicity would generate leads into Taylor's whereabouts. She knew that Taylor would not have just left school or skipped classes since it was only the second week and she was, you know, she had been so excited to start college. Janet's strategy worked. The media strategy worked and Taylor's disappearance received national news coverage from Nancy Grace and from others. On September 11th, VCU announced that it was consulting with the FBI on Taylor's case. Then, 10 days into the investigation on September 15th, the Richmond Police Department took over the case, issuing an amber alert for Taylor and her vehicle. Again, note Taylor was only 17, so still yet a minor, so she did qualify for an amber alert. The Richmond Police Department put together an an 11-member task force of local university and federal investigators to try to locate Taylor in what was now considered a criminal case. Two of the investigators on the task force were, one was the Richmond Police Department's captain, and the other was the state attorney general office's investigator. So we have some pretty high-level individuals on this task force. Police said that they had no evidence of foul play, but Taylor, a minor, and now missing for days, all without being in contact with anyone, was of great concern. Investigators confirmed that Taylor had not used her credit card or cell phone since she went missing. And this is never good and always really, I mean, we know this, Captain, a bad, bad sign. The task force set out to use a relatively new tool available to them in assembling the victimology and get a list of persons of interest. And this was social media. Taylor's prolific online writings and posts gave investigators a glimpse into her life and a place to start compiling a list of her contacts, friends, and acquaintances. Well, you can control your top eight. I think at some point you can even make it bigger than top eight. You could have a like top 16. Mm-hmm. So you would control who was in that group. So... There's your closest pals right there on the internet. This is also helpful because they're able to determine what she had been doing and where she had been going in the days leading up to her disappearance. And then they're able to reach out to people that Taylor's family was not aware of that she was hanging out with. One of the first people the task force questioned was this Jacob Cunningham, the the sort of boyfriend Right. Uh, They they had just met when school started. Jake told police that things were good when they had dinner, as you said, Captain, with Taylor, and they left the restaurant holding hands. He also told investigators that they parted ways that Monday evening, and when they did so, Taylor told him that she was going to go skateboarding. Another reference to the skateboarding thing. She was into boarding, as we know, and this would have been a normal activity, it seems, for her even at night remember we know that she went skateboarding after midnight just days earlier however police were not able to track down anyone who had been skateboarding with her on the night that she disappeared or even seen her skateboarding that night well we know that she took her keys with her when she left her room but on that video footage i don't see her with a skateboard correct correct now one thing that they the investigators were going to start looking at and this there's not much mention of this in the media but police looked at taylor's father's girlfriend's son okay i'll say that again because it's a little difficult taylor's father's girlfriend's son and i don't know this guy's name or really anything about him but what we do know is that taylor did 
blog about him in her online live journal saying that he was creepy and he hit on her and it made her feel very uncomfortable. Staying healthy and staying strong is more important than ever. Look, I take my walks, I do exercising, I go to the gym, or I used to go to the gym, and I eat well-balanced meals. All of this stuff is very important. Objective offers targeted solutions for things like better sleep, firmer skin, or a healthy immune system. Their products are crafted with high-quality ingredients backed by science to deliver specific results. Objective sources active extracts from blueberries, saffron, and even microalgae, which provides an antioxidant 6,000 times stronger than vitamin C. Objective knows that wellness looks different on everyone, which is why Objective focuses on targeted solutions giving you support exactly where you need it. I love the fast asleep chocolates from Objective. I've ordered them. I've been taking them. They're great because sometimes I have a little trouble turning it off at night and struggle to fall asleep. The fast asleep chocolates help me fall asleep quickly and stay asleep throughout the night. Objective helps me feel my best and they can help you too. Go to objectivewellness.com and use code garage to get 20% off your first order. If you're not completely satisfied, you can get a full refund. That's the objective promise. Again, that's objectivewellness.com, code garage for 20% off. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products discussed or advertised are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. With all the uncertainty in the world, feeling safe at home has never been more important which is why I wanted to talk to you about Simply Safe Home Security. They're longtime friends of our show and for good reason. Simply Safe has made it easy to finally get comprehensive protection for your home. There's no technician or salesperson that needs to come and disrupt your home. You don't need to pay any outrageous monthly fees or sign a two-year contract. Just order online and set it up yourself in under an hour. Your home is protected 24-7 with emergency dispatch for break-ins, fire, and more, all for just 50 cents a day. We're not the only fans of Simply Safe. U.S. News and World Reports named Simply Safe Best Overall Home Security of 2020. Head to simplysafe.com/garage to get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com/garage to make sure they know our show sent you. From Simply Safe and all of us here in the garage. Wishing you safety and good health. Check out simplysafe.com slash garage today. Are you paying more money and interest than you need to on your credit cards? Refinance your debt today with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Quickly roll over balances from multiple credit cards into one single monthly loan payment. Get a rate as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay. Much lower than the national average credit card rate of over 19% APR. Plus, there's absolutely no fees. The application is quick and easy and is 100% online. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. One customer says, I heard about Lightstream on a podcast, was able to look on their website and get clear information. The application process was quick and easy. Apply today to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash TCG. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash TCG. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount, terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash TCG for more information.
All right, we are back. We are back, and I want to give a special shout-out and cheers to a great man. Dwight Radcliffe was sheriff of Pickaway County in Ohio from 1965 all the way up to 2013. He is the longest-serving sheriff in the United States. He was reelected 12 times. Unfortunately, Dwight passed away last week on May 6th. So thank you to Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe for a lifetime of service to the community. I'll pour a little out for the good sheriff. May Uh, he rest in peace. A big cheers, mates, to you. Big cheers. On September 17th, 2005, Taylor has now been missing for about 12 days. There was a break in the case. Taylor's white 1997 Ford Escort sedan was located. It was parked on a quiet residential street. This is North Mulberry Street. That's about three blocks from campus. That's correct. Uh, About a mile and a half from her dorm, so not far away at all. What was disturbing was that the car had different license plates on it. Mm. The license plates were from Ohio. And these plates had been stolen or reported stolen two months earlier. They were lifted off of a vehicle of an Ohio resident who lived in Richmond while attending VCU. Residents said that the vehicle had not been parked there for the duration of Taylor's of the time that she had been missing. So we have a situation here, Captain. She goes missing. Her car goes missing at the same time. This car, her car, magically appears in this spot, and it's not there for much of the time that she's been missing. Well, we can only assume that somebody switched the tags to throw people off from finding her car. They put the captain's plates on that car. Mm -hmm. This next part is really, really smart on the behalf of the police. I think this is an absolutely great tactic. What, What they did was... They did a stakeout job on this car. I mean, what what a genius idea. That's a great idea. If you know that it's if you suspect that something may have happened to her very early on in the period that she's been missing, and you believe had have good reason to believe that this vehicle has been moved since then, who's not to say that this 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 guy's gonna come back and move the vehicle again. We know people get nervous when they place bodies or evidence or cars places. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they sec they have second thoughts and think, Oh, I better move it to a different place or it's gonna be found sooner, or maybe I didn't move it far away enough from me. Well then you also you have no evidence that she's dead. Yeah. So is she using her vehicle? Is she the one that changed the license plates? Um, this you we got to figure out what's going on with her. Yeah. If you get some type of activity in or around the vehicle, it may be the lead that you so desperately need because by this point, captain, we've already discussed this and you have to believe this is what went down. They are using social media. They're talking to her friends, her roommate, her parents, everybody that knows her to figure out what her social circles are and then interview everybody that they can possibly think of within those circles and it sounds to me like at this point, they really got a whole lot of nothing going on well, until like, you find the car. Let's let's be smart. That what a genius idea. Yeah, but like you said before, though, oh, she she's going to go skateboarding. That's a normal thing for her. And I was bringing up the point on break. Well, there is no normalcy. It's not like she's been at school for a year, and now we have all these times that we know. Hey, Sunday night. She likes to go skateboarding. You know what I mean? Like, she's been at school for a couple of weeks. There is no normal habit. That's not even long enough to form a bunch of habits. Well, I think that it's not abnormal is what I would point out there. No, no, no. I agree. So after staking out the vehicle for 24 hours to see if anyone would return to it, police called in the dogs, the sniffer dogs, and impounded the car. It was sent off to the FBI for forensic analysis. Police bloodhounds tracked a scent from her car to a home on Shepherd Street. This house was about five blocks away from Taylor's car. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. The home belonged to the aunt and uncle of a 23-year-old guy named Jesse Schultz. 
Jesse was not a VCU student, but he frequented VCU hangouts to try to meet the ladies. He also may have been a skateboarder. Jesse had visited his aunt and uncle's home within the past 24 hours and had left one of his work shirts at this house, at their home. The couple was very cooperative and allowed police to look through their house. The house where Jesse lived was down the street and it was searched as well. During that search, they found a razor blade with cocaine residue on it. And this led to Jesse's arrest. Although we should, in all fairness, we should point out the razor blade could belong to Jesse, but he also had a roommate could belong to the roommate. Right, right. Police clearly wanted to, they wanted to sweat Jesse a bit, see what he knew, see if he was guilty of anything. So, and, they, so they just put a bunch of cocaine on the table, had him do a bunch of lines and then question him. Turn the thermostat up to 104. Yeah. So they How do you inter- feel about that, Jesse? <laughs> they interrogated Jesse at the station for several hours about Taylor, about her being missing. He did agree to take a polygraph test, which indicated some deception, according to the detective in charge. Yeah. He failed on two questions. Uh, one. What, what's your name? <laughs> is this your cocaine? Yes, it's your Uh, He failed on two questions, and what is cited in the media reports is one of those questions was whether he knew Taylor at all, and two, whether he had been in her car. He answered no to both of those, and this shows deception. The police are not believing it. It, it, That's that's difficult, because for someone to say, I don't even know this person, and show deception, and then to say, I've never been in this vehicle show deception. Now you have reason to believe not only why does he not want us to know that, that he knows her. Right. Why, what else is he covering up? If he's saying that he was not in her vehicle, but and we have the scent dog leading you from the car, right to his aunt and uncle's house. The trouble is both of these tactics are not perfect. Like everything else, right? They're not 100%. Well, I really question because and, and this is kind of gross and you got to watch out for certain campuses, but especially at that time, late nineties, early two thousands, especially college guys, they get drunk. They, wee everywhere. It's a wee, wee fest peeing on the side of the houses. Oh, just creep between these two cars and pee real quick. Is it possible that he just was taking a leak and then he took a leak by her car and then walked to his, and an uncle's house. It's also possible that the dogs were wrong and the test is not scored properly. Right. The other thing too, is if this young man is just nervous about being questioned anyway, you know, that test is reacting to him. Not, it's not actually detecting if he's lying or not. It's detecting if there's any change in his, in him physically. Well, right. Again, and if I ask you a question, hey, what were you doing the other night? Hey, I was at this bar. There's no tension there. I I can ask all these questions, but I know that there's a missing girl. I know this was her car. Right. I know that they have a scent from her car to my house. Once you bring her up, even if I don't know her, the nervousness of that could fail those tests. I mean, I don't like these tests like 100%. I just like when people are willing to take them because I, I do think it gives us somewhat of a barometer. And also when they let you know which – I don't like it when they just say, oh, well, he seemed to be deceptive, so he failed the test. Mm. Uh, I like when they come back and they go, well, look, he passed everything, but these two questions, there's some deception there. Okay, well, give me that, and that gives me more to go on. Yeah, despite the test failure, despite the unexplained dog tracking, or maybe they believe the drug dog tracking, I don't know. But what we do know is this. Jesse continued to deny that he had any involvement, so much so to the point where he continued to tell officers and detectives, I don't even know this person. I don't yeah. you know, I, I get that she's missing and I get that you're looking for her and I wish I could help, but I don't know who she is. I never met her. I don't know what that vehicle is. And eventually police, they do clear him of any involvement at all because 
they looked at this dude pretty tough and pretty hard, and they were unable to link him in any way to her. Right, and that's also becomes another problem. Do you know this person? Remember Brian Schaefer? A lot of people didn't know who Brian Schaefer was, but if I would have showed you a picture of him, people would have been like, I know that guy from somewhere. Yeah, because of the hundred and some thousand flyers we put everywhere. Right. You know what I mean? So how many flyers were out there with her face on it? How much news coverage was there? He could be sitting there going, I, I, you know, if I think his answer, uh, I think it was a 48 hours or something was really good when he said, look, if, if I knew her, I wasn't aware that I knew her. Right. And when looking at this Jesse Schultz guy, what this leads investigators to is they start, they, they take a look at a skateboarder friend of Jesse's. His name is Ian. And they also impounded a Nissan Altima, which may have been Ian's looking for evidence. They apparently had reason to believe that maybe Taylor had been in the Altima at some point is my guess here. Ian reportedly refused to take a polygraph test. He's not co- as cooperative as what Jesse was. Well, his buddy just failed one. Well, that, that's what you have to wonder about. Like, if you know that your buddy didn't know this girl and the police are telling him, hey, you failed your, your poly, you're not going to be so excited to sit down for one yourself. And we've talked about that many times. Like, what good would come from you taking one? Because if you pass it, people go, well, the, the test is bullshit. But if you fail it, most people don't follow up with the test is bullshit. Well, and if you want to be like uber cooperative and if you really want to help, the best way to do it, and it's not cheap, so a lot of people don't do this, the best way to do it is to, to you do a bunch of cocaine. Get an attorney mm-hmm. and then have your attorney set up a polygraph test. And those results can then be sent to investigators from from that. I, I like that process. But again, yeah, after you take it a few times, learn how to beat the system. You have to pay for the test. You have to pay for the attorney. All things that can be expensive if you want good ones. Right. Uh, they did look. Like we said, police were looking at both of these guys, uh, Ian and Jesse. I think them being skateboarders and then a possible connection to Jesse, even though they couldn't find one, this goes back to the thought of maybe she was planning to go skateboarding with them, or maybe she actually did know them. Right. But it seems like they couldn't make that. They being the investigator investigators could not make that connection. Well, I don't think you ever told us what happened as far as her dad's her dad's girlfriend's son. He acting was questioned little, and looked at. Acting a little creepy because that that would be very awkward. Oh, my dad is now dating this girl and you you meet her kid for the first time and you're you're attractive female, so he's like, Well, she's not she's not bad to look at. That that would be a very awkward situation. Well, and who knows like I said, I know very little about it because it wasn't reported on. Who knows the age of this guy or that, right. So, uh, yeah, because he could <laughs> It was 35. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know anything about him. I do know he was looked at and I have to believe that there was no connection. Couldn't take that portion of the investigation anywhere, or it would have been reported on in the media. What what's clear though, is, I mean, especially like her friends from high school and then her family members, these are almost a little bit easier to investigate on some level because you can start eliminating people quickly. Because of the distance. Yeah. So even if, oh, the mom and daughter is close, but, well, maybe they had a fight. Okay, well, the mom's two hours away. So to to establish alibis, it's a lot easier. And the other thing, too, I would think with the with her colleagues at school at VCU, it would be easy to to clear people as well. Because this we're talking about people that are at an age where they're very active. And they're out and about and they're hanging out with other people. It's real easy to establish, as you said, an alibi for who was doing what and when. Right. But here's here's the tough thing, though. And and anybody would know this. I mean, you'd know this by even going to high school. When you get to a new school, everybody's new. 
you, you're not forming your clique yet. So she was still in the process. If you would have told me she went missing at the end of her freshman year, again, schedule, habits, routine, the the people that she would be in daily contact, weekly contact, monthly contact would be, all those habits would be formed. But because it's so early in the school year, a lot of those things are just not formed yet. But you do have roommates. Like it's a situation where people aren't living alone. You know, we cover so many of these cases and it's like this guy says, well, he couldn't have done it because he was 20 miles away. Well, what was his alibi? He, he didn't feel well. He had a headache. He lives alone. He sat at home watching some TV and went to bed early that night. So the students at VCU at the campus, they held a vigil for Taylor. This was on the night of September 19th. But, but hold on one, one second with that point though. Is yes, when you have a college campus of 30 some thousand, you normally have on that campus maybe a half a million people that live on that campus, most of them not going to that school. If you go to the Ohio State campus, yeah, there's a hundred and some thousand kids that attend Ohio State campus, but there's roughly like a million in that area that don't go to school. The while this this whole thing's going on here, Captain, so we're now at September 19th, and the investigators still don't have any real strong leads. And mind you, they're, they're really diving into every aspect of Taylor's life that they can find, this being through friends, this being through her activities on social media. They noted that there was another guy who was involved in Taylor's life. This was not Jacob. This was not Jesse. It was Ben Foley. You might recall that this was the roommate of Taylor's friend, Mike Sino, whom she stayed with on her two trips to VCU in the spring of 2005 while she was a senior in high school. So let's discuss this Benjamin Foley, shall we? Yeah, he'd be one of her oldest friends at VCU. Ben Folly was known around town because he was a quirky, flamboyant character, a self-proclaimed goth skater. He always had dyed surfer-style hair that changed colors regularly. He drove what many would describe as a creeper van that was completely covered with bumper stickers and old license plates. Yeah, it was very strange. Uh, They actually did a couple news stories on his van because... He would take, it was a big creeper van, but I think it was painted black. And then it was just covered from top to bottom with stickers and bumper stickers and every kind of sticker. And it's really no paint visible on this thing. Yeah. I mean, when you saw it going down the road, it, it looked almost like something from Mad Max or something. So it's a novelty, you know, and that right, was kind of right. neat that it was featured on a couple local stories, their news stories. I guess maybe it's not technically a creeper van. Maybe you don't describe it as that because it might have the size and shape of the traditional creeper van. But when you're when you're covered in bumper stickers and license plates, you don't really blend in very well, do you? Right. Folly was once a student at VCU. He attended for seven years. Um, do you think he was studying to be a doctor? Probably. Or something. Yeah, he looks like a doctor. He never graduated, but when Taylor met him at her friend's apartment where he was living, he was no longer a student. In fact, he was like 38 years old. Yeah, he doesn't, but if you watch these interviews, he didn't look that old at all. I would say like early 20s, you know, he dyed his hair a lot, changed that up a lot. But even in the interview, they're like... So why do you do this to your van? He's like, yeah, I just like stickers, man. <laughs> he was like one of those guys. Right. So. Well, he had two children as well. The children didn't live with him. In fact, they lived rather far away with their mother. Well, that's because he just likes having sex, man. But in regards to his age and being a father of two, I don't know that Taylor knew any of this. No, We, I, we can't say because we, we don't know what they're conversations were but we're talking about a relationship a friendship for a few months you know at at some point 
you know, the truth will come out. But this girl is coming um, two hours away to come visit this college campus. You can be whoever you want or whoever you think she wants you to be because you're, you're spending not as much time with her, if that makes sense. Yeah, and as the captain said, you can see Ben Foley in these interviews. He actually gave an interview to 48 Hours in a 2019 piece by Aaron Moriarty on the case. He said that when he first saw Taylor standing in the doorway of the apartment that he shared with Mike, you know, when she came to visit, that he thought she was extremely beautiful. He said that they spent the entire weekend talking when they first met and they shared so much in common, including many opinions and feelings about different things. Matt Beal, Taylor's father said that when he dropped Taylor off there in April, he did meet, he actually met this Ben Foley. Right. And he said that Ben seemed to be to him, seemed to be a very nice, personable young man. Matt said that he assumed Folly was a student and was in his mid-20s at the oldest. And just like you pointed out, Captain, he looked that part. Yeah. Uh, we know now that neither of these assumptions were correct. Well, there's a big difference. I mean, if you look him up on Google Images, for example, once they, once his hair is chopped and, and of a natural color, then you go, oh, okay, yeah, mid-30s pushing pushing 40 but with the pink hair or sometimes it's green hair there i guess all footage where he had purple hair you know it just makes him look especially his attitude like i said he has that you know i'm just you know love dying my hair bro you know? right right Polly and taylor stayed in touch apparently after taylor's first visit to to vcu on her second visit she slept with him she told her friends that she was curious about him and wanted to see what it would be like. Yeah. Now, this is in spite but th of... But this is a... Look. This individual... There's plenty of women that you come in contact with that are attractive. You could tell that she is 17, 18 years old. And look, maybe... You know, I don't want to get into age gaps and relationships too much, but it's like he he should you know I I just find this wrong on many levels. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. She's look, she's a very attractive young lady, very photogenic. But you're absolutely right. There, I didn't see one picture of her where I thought for a second that she was twenty twenty one. She looked very seventeen to me. Uh, her friends, though, even. Regardless of this, whatever was going on between Taylor and this Ben Folly, her friends at the time say she's not very, Taylor's not very sexually experienced. And we do have some evidence of Taylor and Folly's hookup from the digital banter between the two. Folly commented online on Live Journal posting under his online name, Skulls. That this very attractive girl, so, Klein. Well, hold on a second. Go ahead. You're, you're pushing 40 and your online name is Skulls. You know, like, come on with something better. The, but the thing with this dude, man, it feels like to me the only thing that's really pushing 40 in his life is his actual age. Right. You know what I mean? This guy, his br one day his brain turned 18 and it stayed there. Right. So Skulls. Our friend Skulls here posted, this very attractive girl climbed up into my bunk at 407. And then Taylor, whose online name was, I don't even know if you can say this, Tia Balage is what I, how I would try to pronounce this. Uh -huh. But really, it's, it's supposed to be jailbait spelled backwards. Okay. She replied, well, I was curious, to which Skulls then replies, so was I. In fact, I still am. Uh, Folly told 48 Hours that Taylor appreciated that he didn't treat her like a child and that he respected her opinions. Yeah, it's like he had sex with her, but it was like almost a con job. You know, that's the way I view it. Do you think that 
here's like the vibe that I kind of get, and I'm really totally guessing here, Captain, but I get the vibe like she was aware that this guy was older, that she that she wasn't dumb to that. No, no. That she wasn't that naive, that she didn't understand that this guy's older. You just wonder how much older did he tell her he was? You know, right. 29? 29's a lot different than than mid to late 30s. Right. Again, and, and if you have children that you're not telling the person about you, you again you have that ability you're on an island especially with those college campuses you're on an island you can pretend to be whoever you want to be well folly he goes on to tell 48 hours about his game how he planned to flatter taylor telling her that he's an amateur photographer uh-huh. and that he wanted to take pictures with her and this did happen you know he took some photographs of taylor now we can only assume that taylor fell for folly fell for his carefully constructed online persona of this you know cool dude who was into goth stuff like skulls photography and had had been, he says, he even, he even says that he had been a nude model at one time. Yeah. <laughs> he specialized in small penises. Folly loved to post about himself and his interest online, obviously detailing his romantic well, conquest. Go well, ahead. Hold on a second. Cause here, here's what I think happened. I think she's going to go to this school. She knows she's going to go there. She meets this meets up with somebody that from her hometown that goes to VCU. His roommate is there. Okay, cool. You're my friend by association now. This guy is smitten by the 17-year-old. Right. They make plans to hang out. He's taking pictures of her, which a lot of times with these cases, you can start Googling. and it, it, I think it's better to wrap your head around the whole situation the more pictures you can have or the more videos you can have yep but a lot of the pictures in google images are stuff that this guy took that's what you'll find uh, of her and i think that as far as the sexual experience i think it was probably simply a 17 year old that probably drank a little bit and it was something that happened because she later is telling her friends well yes we were physical but i i don't want that to happen again right i'm not like that's it was a it was an accident right right well this folly guy he if you weren't already dialing into this already he has a bit of a dark side you know, he maintained websites with titles like Dark Evil Goth and Skulls.DeviantArt.com featuring articles uh, described as goth nude porn. These included images of death and decay as well as photos of very young women. We should probably say girls, really. Right. And all sorts of compromising nude or scantily clad shots. He also blogged about Taylor's visit in April on his live journal under his screen name. Uh, this portion of my notes says screen name Skulls 67. Then Taylor came down to Richmond to visit for the weekend. Got out to Belle Isle, amongst other things. I got some photos. Not as many as I would have liked, but Taylor looked cold. From earlier posts about other women, it seemed that taking photos on Belle Isle was a sort of a like a foreplay for Folly. Mm -hmm. And Taylor, for her part, seemed to have a somewhat moodier, darker persona than she let on to many in her life. She had recently picked up smoking. Some of her online journals reflect a girl who didn't feel she had real friends and who wanted something more out of her young life and her friends from the Starbucks where she worked in Vienna before college 
said that she was always interested in older men and was known for flirting with them rather than guys her own age. It's possible that this Ben Folly, older, maybe exotic seeming, was just what possibly a restless young Taylor was kind of looking for. Again, that's where I go back to the idea of I don't I don't believe for a second that she did not know or did not understand that he was older. It's just what kind of how different did she know he was than her? We we also have a female that or should be that has been to many schools 15. She understands the idea that when you're going into a new situation like that, especially when you're on an island, it's not like you go into the school and 10% of those people know who you are going into the school where nobody knows who you are. So for her, you know, is she now a smoker because she went to college and for two weeks she's been smoking. I would look at all that stuff as this is a time for her, to, her to try things, uh, to experiment with things and discover who she really is and who she wants to be. So, I don't know if I would necessarily necessarily say that she was darker. Sometimes people just need an avenue to, to vent about things. And I think you're spot on there, Captain. I think we have this big change in her life. This is a major change in her life. She's moving off and going off to college. So there's probably a lot of things going on with Taylor. What my suspicions are is that she is a good judge of character And she's good at setting herself up and fitting in in a new place. I just really think that she doesn't really know who this Ben Folly guy is. With all the uncertainty... And the world now is the time to protect your home with Simply Safe. There is no technician or salesperson that needs to come to your home. Just order online and set it up yourself. If the captain can do it, you can do it. You don't need to pay any outrageous monthly fees or sign a two-year contract. Your home is protected 24/7 with emergency dispatch, all for just 50 cents a day. Head to simplysafe.com/garage. Get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee at simplysafe.com slash garage. Thanks for tuning in today. We got so much more to get to in this case. Join us back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. I was hours into a hunt for new digs at the local shopping mall and losing steam fast when fate intervened. Drumsticks, get your drumsticks! Nutty, sweet drumstick! What luck! One drumstick, please. Here you go. This is hot and made of chicken. I want an ice-cold, creamy, crunchy drumstick Sunday cone. You and me both, buddy. But that's the vendor next door. Drumsticks! But that line is three miles long! Oh, well. Another day, another drumstick.